Hello and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, the podcast where we discuss cybercrimes and cybersecurity news. This week we'll be discussing a case that is actually a couple years old from 2020, but became relevant recently due to the SEC pressing charges against the victims of the cyber attack, a software company that helps businesses manage their networks and IT system. SolarWinds. For some background, let's talk about the initial hack that started all this first. SolarWinds, being a software company, releases updates for their software for things like bug fixes, security patches, or quality of life improvements. However, one of their legitimate updates was compromised. Attackers inserted malicious code into an update for a network monitoring software called Orion. The malicious code would allow the attackers remote access into any systems that downloaded this malicious update, allowing them initial access into systems to do things like exfiltrate data, add them to a botnet, a network of compromised machines that can be used by attackers to perform other attacks, or install other types of malicious tools for other types of attacks. Orion was also connected to the customer's Microsoft Office 365 accounts, allowing the attackers access to email and other Office documents. They could also use tokens to masquerade as legitimate users by impersonating them so that suspicion wouldn't rise. This backdoor would be called Sunburst by FireEye, a security firm that initially discovered the attack because it was, well, on their own systems. They were one of the victims. But wait a minute, how does something like this even happen? How is an attacker able to put malware in a legitimate software update without anyone noticing? Aren't there safeguards for situations like this? And the answer is, yes, there are, but those were bypassed. Let's take a step back for a second. SolarWinds was most likely breached via a compromised Microsoft 365 account in September of 2019, where attackers were able to access the build systems and modify software updates to include the Sunburst malware. Since they were able to access SolarWinds' legitimate build system, the code was still digitally signed and therefore looked like a legitimate update. You may be wondering if the certificate itself could have been compromised, but that was not the case, as even if it was, the attackers would not be able to distribute the malware through official channels, and instead would have to try distributing their version through their own channels, which any security-minded person is likely not to download, as you'd only want to download from official sources, even if it's digitally signed and everything looks correct. There was also a weak FTP password that was discovered that could have been related to the attack. FTP, or File Transfer Protocol, allows, well, files to be transferred from a server to a client. The password SolarWinds used on their FTP server was SolarWinds123, which could be trivially guessed by pretty much anyone. However, it's unknown if this weak password was ever used in the attack. If compromised by Office 365, the attackers already had direct access to the build servers, and it wouldn't really be necessary, but it could have been a password used for other SolarWinds systems as well. The type of attack performed on SolarWinds is known as a supply chain attack because it involves indirectly compromising other organizations by compromising a trusted vendor and pushing malicious code to the customers. Due to the vendor being trusted, supply chain attacks are very, very difficult to deal with, and they can impact a large amount of organizations at once. Think about how many organizations use Microsoft 365. If that was compromised and the attackers managed to push out a malicious update to everyone using Microsoft 365, it would be catastrophic. 
So of all organizations, why SolarWinds? Well, SolarWinds and the Orion product have very few competitors at the time and had a lot of heavy-hitting customers, including the U.S. Departments of Agriculture, Commerce, Defense, Energy, Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, Justice, Labor, State, Transportation, and the Treasury, as well as Kent State University, the city of Austin, Texas, Cisco, FireEye, the company that discovered the backdoor first, Microsoft, Malwarebytes, an anti-malware solution, and Equifax. That is a lot of different companies connected to these malicious updates, and that's not even a complete list of all the impacted customers. There were an estimated 18,000 customers that had downloaded the malicious backdoor when updating Orion. Even worse, the SolarWinds supply chain attack is what led to the 2020 United States federal government data breach by Russian hacking group Cozy Bear. All of those organizations I just listed were part of that very data breach, which was reported to be one of the worst cyber espionage cases against the United States. For eight to nine months, confidential government information was accessed by Russian threat actors. So that's bad, but why is the SEC suing SolarWinds and their chief information security officer, Timothy G. Brown? They were victims after all, it's not like they wanted their software to become part of a huge government data breach. The SEC alleges that Brown defrauded investors by both overstating SolarWinds' own cybersecurity abilities and not disclosing risks that they were aware of, making customers believe that the security practices were better than advertised. As it so turned out, although SolarWinds personnel were presenting themselves as a secure company externally, Internally, they had confessed to their remote access setup not being very secure and further admitting that attackers could compromise them without them noticing until it was too late. Brown also admitted that access and privileges to critical systems were inappropriate, and, well, they also used SolarWinds123 as the password on their FTP server, which certainly suggests their password security practices may not be the best. An internal document also demonstrated that the volume of identified security issues was over the capacity for the security engineering teams to resolve. SolarWinds, of course, denies these claims, saying that they are unfounded and an example of government overreach that should raise alarm bells for other cybersecurity professionals. The issue was not necessarily having these security issues themselves. After all, Brown was likely raising alarm bells to get them resolved but he may not have had the appropriate budget, or may have needed to go through a lengthy change control process to do so. Maybe the previous person in charge had made some mistakes. There's a lot of reasons it may have been initially messed up, and maybe they were working on improving it. The issue was that they were misleading people, even drafting official documents that were misleading, including failing to report a vulnerability that was exploited against SolarWinds multiple times. This could be considered fraud, but we will have to wait to see how the case goes to determine that. It'll be pretty interesting and may set some new precedent for the CISOs of different companies in the future. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, and another thanks to ARS Technica, The Register, Sands, and ThreatPost for reporting on the initial SolarWinds hack, and to Tech Republic and Reuters for reporting on the SEC's case against SolarWinds. My name is Chloe Tonus, and until next time, stay secure.